Welcome to the news and why it matters. I'm Sarah Gonzalez. Glenn, what was the top story for you today? Top story has to be um, the speech that the president is going to give in eight minutes tonight. Promise no more than eight minutes and the speculation of what he's going to say. All right, still. Uh, one of the stats being used to support uh, both sides, really, of the immigration debate is both sides are using it to mislead you, and we have the <gasps> truth on that. I know, it's shocking. 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 Mm -hmm. I, that's wow. what I do. I shock people. I can't wait to get into that. Jason? I'm going to go with Glenn. Uh, what could happen or what might not happen, and what are the ramifications going forward and the precedent that that sets in the future? All right. Before we get into that, I want to thank our sponsor, iTarget Pro. Jason, you were just sharing some stories from uh, the military <laughs> off air. We won't go into those stories, <laughs> but I would like for you to remind uh, our audience why it's so important to uh, dry fire. Uh, I learned from the, uh, the best shooters in the world, the United States Marine Corps. The very first thing they do in boot camp is they have you dry fire. Um, you do that for over a week, and uh, it's, 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 it's imperative. You have to do it. Shooting's a perishable skill. And uh, without something like iTarget Pro, all you're doing is you're like, you know, just you're, you're doing nothing. You're, you're, you're dry firing to learn how to squeeze, you know, your trigger. Which is important, <coughs> but is. boring is not. Yeah. Boring is not. <laughs> boring is not. <laughs> I, I just, I just don't do it. Yeah, I don't do it. Yeah. iTarget Pro, you actually do it because it's... It's the same as going to the range without, you know, maybe the adrenaline rush, but without the money. Yes, the expense. And so you're, you're, you're dry firing. You're actually doing it. The only thing you're not doing is spending money every time you pull the trigger. And it's more effective and realistic than duck hunt. Uh, just playing that on <laughs> over and over again. That will not help. That yeah. will not help. So you can track your progress uh, with the Target. You download the app on your phone, and it's got the Target up there, and it shows you how well you're doing. You can have little friendly competitions within your family if you'd like, and you're not shooting holes through your living room. Uh, you can go to itargetpro.com. Save 10% right now, plus free shipping with promo code NEWS. That is itargetpro.com. It pays for itself. It when really you, does. It really does. When you consider the range fees and the ammunition fees, it pays for itself very quickly. itargetpro.com, promo code NEWS. All right, Trump's speech. Eight minutes. I find that hard to believe. Yeah, um, which leads me to believe he's not going to be giving a persuasive speech to the American public. He says he's going to be talking about the problems on the border and the humanitarian crisis on the border. Um, and he's going to be doing it in less than uh, less than nine minutes. Uh, he wants to be done by eight ten. The networks don't go to the White House until zero nine zero one thirty. So he's got about eight and a half minutes. Not a lot of facts you can lay out. No, Not a lot of persuasion no. you can do in that time. My guess is uh, he's going to not do it. He's going to threaten to do it. Okay. Um, to do it, emergency. to do it, meaning national emergency. Okay. Uh, I am. I really don't like this. It, it is constitutional. He can do it. Um, it's. It's. It will be interesting to see because it will be fought in the courts. It'll be interesting to see if the courts overturn this, while they didn't overturn DACA, which was clearly unconstitutional. But I don't like anything that gives the president, this president, the last president, the next president more power um, because, you know, and this isn't necessarily going to cause them to do it or stop them from not doing it. But if you elect the next president and the next president believes that the the number one crisis in the world is global warming, mm -hmm. he can do the same thing. Yeah. Claim and, in a domain on any coal factory. Just yes. scuttle them. There's, and there's that is, no real proof that you have to show to, no. it's very subjective. It is, it is the definition. Remember, 
Dictator did not have a bad, that wasn't a bad word. That was a new word after the turn of the century. And they thought that was a good thing, that you could be a dictator. Dictator took on a bad uh, connotation with Mussolini, but mainly Hitler. But that is... a lot of things, the mustache, uh, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, Charlie Chaplin really wouldn't, it didn't work after that. Um, But... That is the definition of a an autocrat or a dictator, somebody who just says, we're doing this, and I have the authority. It's not a good precedent to send. And the way the, the law is structured, though, is essentially gives him that power, right? Yes. Um, it basically gives him the power to identify a crisis and then take additional actions, um, and they're specific it's, actions. It's, it's remarkable to me, though, that it, this power has been in existence since 1789, and... It wasn't used until 1979. I don't know if it was. Was it a long? So, so, so the power's been there, but it was a much less checked. He, they could, they could do pretty much whatever they wanted. They didn't have to declare exactly exactly which emergency powers they were going to use. So, and I think in the 1970s they actually did the act. It was the National Emergency Act in the 70s to say, look, these are the actual rules for it because you've been abusing them. The, the funny thing though is that the rules are still. They're, they're, of course they are. They're stupid. It, it really is. This is how they work. So if Congress doesn't like it, all so if if, they, if the president declares a national emergency, Congress says no, we we don't agree with this. All they need is a simple majority vote in both houses. Simple majority vote. That's not so simple. E- even still, you know, usually if it's you know if you don't control both houses. But let's say they get that. Well, then it goes back. It's treated like a bill. It goes back to the president's office. So the guy that just Declare an emergency is the one that's now going to say, okay, yeah, I totally agree with you, and then sign off on it. No, he's going to throw it out and veto it. Like, of course he would. Then it would take two-thirds majority to overturn that veto, which you're never going to get. And And it's never happened. Go away. We're under 22 or 23? 28. 28 emergency uh, acts right now. The first wow. one after yeah. that original act is still, still in still, effect. 1979, it's still in effect. In fact, I would make the case that one of the later Obama emergency acts, one of the things where he went and he returned all the cash, is a violation of the first emergency act of 1979, which is still in effect. They're still, which shows you that once, once, it's human nature not to want to give up power. I mean, our system is built so that one person can't have too much power. But this, the, the way the national emergency system works, it gives, it just sweeps aside all the checks and balances, it gives it all to them. And think about that, if you're, if you're for this, think about the presidents that have done the most in our history since this has happened. Bill Clinton, number one, Barack Obama, number two, George Bush, number three, and George Bush, number three, was actually in a time of war, mm-hmm. and he did the third most. But the majority of those are all still in effect. Democrats are going to love that stuff, right? They're going to love the expanded power. Um, And it's funny because when they actually passed the law, it was pretty much designed to say, okay, the president can indicate something, but the the House and the the Senate can overturn it um, relatively easily. That got thrown out in court. So the, the check and balance that was initially planned as part of the bill got thrown out in court. So they have to go through the normal bill system, which now gives the president almost unlimited control to kind of do whatever he wants and grab as much power as he wants. I mean, I don't think that's like necessarily a risk right now, but it is a risk in the future. And I, I think it's a risk in our lifetime. Well, and it is. I mean, look, it, frankly, it is at risk right now. Mm-hmm. Even you know, with this with this president, with any president, because this bill, this is you know the thing that we complain about with. Barack Obama and DACA. Yes, there's constitutional concerns. There's a lot of different concerns. But one of the main sort of fundamental things was, look, here's a guy who told us specifically, 
I can't do this DACA program without a law. I need the help of Congress. And he said it over and over and over and over and over again. And then when he couldn't get that help, he just went down another road. And that's the same thing that's happening here. I mean, look, he's asked for he's tried to get this bill passed. He's tried to get this funding a million times through Congress. And now he's come to the end of the road and he's saying, look, I can't get this done through Congress. I'm going another way. And if he does that, I think it's a, it's it's not something to praise. I mean, it's sometimes you can't get the things you want in our system. That is the way it's designed. If somebody will remind me, one of our producers remind me, I will bring in tomorrow something. There, are only, there were only 12 copies made and I have one. And the only other known copy in existence is in the National Archives. And it was made for FDR. And it's called... Uh, radicalism, revolution, or ref- or relief, and it was made for FDR. And it is all—it's amazing. It's all hand-colored charts. They all had—they had to make this entire report by hand. They made twelve of them for the president's cabinet. And it was: you need to declare an emergency, and you need to give relief because you're going to have revolution or radicalism. And we will lose the country. Now, you tell me, we all think, I should say experts believe, that we are headed for a massive recession, not necessarily a depression. I and others believe that we are headed, headed for something more akin to 1929. But let's just say that we have, because of technology and a recession, unemployment at 15%, 20%, 10%. Are you telling me that a president, including this one, or the next one, if it's a Democrat, isn't going to call that a national emergency and say, we need socialized whatever it is? So, Elizabeth Warren, the government is now responsible for making all prescription drugs, and it will never go away. It will never go away, and it will not go through Congress. Kind of puts into context, you know, the big push on, uh, maybe this is my conspiracy tinfoil hat uh, brain going on, but the huge pass, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, attention on the opioid crisis. There were a lot of Democrats that were saying, declare this a national emergency. (laughs) Declare this a national emergency. It was like this huge thing. So let's just say, for instance, he, he did declare it a national emergency. Well, we know these things don't go away. Mm-hmm. They're re-upped every 12 months. They're never, uh, they're, they're always just refiled, like it's on like an automatic system. What powers are that? How broad is that? Mm-hmm. Could they eventually, is, was, were they looking at that as maybe a backdoor into getting some of those things that they wanted to? I don't know, but it's possible. You see well, what are, it's the, possible the, under the system. The, he's going to, if he's, if he's smart, he is going to make the case tonight that the, the border is also directly linked to our yes. opioids yeah. uh, problem. Which is, this is what's comical about it. I know we were talking about larger principles here, but just to spend at least a 30-second period here in the world of just dumb politics. And why it doesn't matter. Right, and why it doesn't why matter. everybody in the media focuses. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're all worried about him doing this national emergency tonight. Um, and he probably will, if he does, uh, base it on opioids and, and drugs as part of that. Well, he at, ran as promising to create a, a national health emergency for opioid addiction. And because he didn't do it on day one and he waited for, what was it, a year before he actually did it, the, the media was beating him up for not creating a national emergency about opioids, the same thing he's talking about now. That's a little bit of a different um, uh, way of doing a process of, of making that happen. It's a little bit of a different type of national emergency. But still, like there is just no consistency here. I mean, I, I think... Expanding executive power is bad, whether it's your guy or it's or it's the other guy. Because first of all, 
It's not the system we're supposed to be under. And second of all, the next person is going to make your life a lot worse. Think of all the expansions that Barack Obama used that Donald Trump is now using against Democrats right now. It might feel good to us today. Feels really bad to them right now, and it's going to feel bad for to, for us, the next person who gets that job. Uh, tomorrow morning on the program, we are going to have opinions from the entire spectrum. We begin uh, tomorrow with uh, Eric Bowling, right out of the shoot, 9 a.m. Eastern time. Um, he, Eric, may even be at the White House tonight during that speech. Um, but uh, so we'll have it from there to the libertarian perspective. I mean, it's all on the right. Uh, but from the libertarian perspective, all the way to the White House point of view on tomorrow's nope. radio show. We'll bring in Keith Olbermann to give us the other side. <laughs> <laughs> well, nobody's going to listen to him. We're going to bring him in and put him in a closet. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get into the uh, misleading, misleading claim. Yes, so one of the biggest stats going around right now is what's actually happening on the border when it comes to terrorism. That's been a big part of the cell here as border, the border being a crisis. And there's a bunch of stats kind of going around. Um, you know, a lot of people in the White House have been saying them. And I think the media is getting it wrong and the White House is getting it wrong on this one. Mike Pence has said it, uh, you know, the DHS secretary said it, and also uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders was saying it. She was on TV with Mike Wallace this weekend, and here's how that went. We know that roughly nearly 4,000 known or suspected terrorists come into our country illegally. And we know that our most vulnerable point of entry is at our southern border. I know this statistic. I didn't know if you were going to use it, but I studied up on this. Do you know where those 4,000 people come or where they're captured? Airports. Uh, not always. But uh, airports. Certainly, certainly a the large State Department number. says there hasn't been any terrorists certainly that they found coming across the border. It's by air, from it's by land, and it's by sea. It's all of the above. But one thing that you're forgetting yeah. is that the most vulnerable point of entry that we have into this country is our southern border, and we have to protect it. And the more and but more that coming, individuals. They're not coming across the southern border, Sarah. They're coming and they're being stopped they're at airports. They're coming a number of ways. They're certainly, I'm not disagreeing with you that they're coming through airports. I'm saying that they come by air, by land, and by sea. True. Well, is it not? It's, yeah, there's multiple things going on here. There's two different numbers that have been thrown around, 4,000 coming in and 3,000 coming in. They're actually two different uh, numbers. One, 4,000 are the people coming in uh, that are on terrorist watch lists. The overwhelming percentage of those do come through airports. Um, and That are on terrorist watch lists? That are on terrorist I watch lists. I can't get grandma onto a plane, <laughs> but you can get somebody into the country who's on a watch list? At least at the border, or at least Holy at the airport. Um, and there's On our side of the airport? Though? On our side of the airports, yeah. That's craziness. Yeah, so um, uh, there are a few hundred that have been uh, at the border, so there are some at the border. Um, uh, Although the way it's worded is it says uh, by land. So it's not you can't technically tell. But I mean, it's Mm -hmm. you know, how else are you getting here? I don't know if there's a bridge. Because Mexico Mm -hmm. came out and said that they found some special interest aliens and known or suspected terrorists. Right. And so those are two different groups, however. Like so four. So there's four thousand in this uh, in this uh, in the terrorist Terrorist watch watch list. list. The special interest aliens is another group. um, And special interest aliens are people who have travel patterns similar to terrorists, but are not suspected to be terrorists necessarily it, it, so or, or, or you don't know you don't prove it they trap like if you land in syria at some point and then start coming through the border they're they're going to be like hey wait a minute what were you doing in syria that does not mean you did anything wrong in but, syria but it's it's a, it's a risk uh part of this jason is ahead of our, our research for military and and foreign affairs didn't i hear from you on research that they also found that uh people were being possibly trained and then flown through South Africa, et cetera, et cetera. 
into Mexico or Honduras and, and coming up? Yeah, U.S. intelligence, this is a, it's a known route from U.S. intelligence. And there was a recent study by the Center for Immigration Studies that just, just broke this wide open. No one talked about. It's insane. But it's an actual route that al-Shabaab maintains. Amongst That's al-Qaeda. Of you. That's al-Qaeda. In, in, uh, in Africa, it goes to Brazil. They know the entire route. goes to Brazil. Then they're, then, then they're, they're there, uh, then shuttled up to uh, uh, Panama, where they go through Panama, through Costa Rica, and all the way up. You have that report ready for me tomorrow. We'll, we'll cover that on radio, too. Uh, and the Center for Immigration Studies is a very conservative uh, immigration group. They're very focused on the realities of the situation. They're not like crazy people that deny the reality. Let me give you this quote, though. This is from uh, someone, Todd Bensman, at the Center for Immigration Studies. I could say definitively that the number of terrorist suspects arriving at the southern border and en route never came anywhere close to 3,000, let alone 4,000, in any single year of my state government intelligence service. He worked for Texas. Mm. He also said the number, he estimated the number to be around 20 per year. Now, of course, there was 19 that did 9-11, so that's a big deal. A right. couple more points on this quickly. Um, number one, it's not the people we're catching at the border I'm worried about. It's the ones we're not catching. Right. So we have no, this is an estimate of how many people we've caught. How many people are we not catching? The most advanced people we're probably not catching. The other part of this is they keep saying, well, they're coming to the airports, they're not coming from the border. The airports are what we want to do to the border, yeah. right? <laughs> like we want people to come through a process when they get here. And the reason why we're catching all the people at the airports is because we're not letting them all walk in without being checked. Or just fly right. in on some plane exactly. and right. nobody's checking who's getting off. Exactly. It's like if we, a wall on the border is similar to having uh, security checkpoints at all the airports, right? Like if we just put security checkpoints at 10% of the airports, people would fly into the other airports and walk right into your schools. <laughs> this is the problem here. And I think like the idea that we can catch people through actual security, I think, makes a point in favor of our argument, not against it. Yeah. Um, but the stat isn't right, and we shouldn't throw it around when it's, when it's not right. Yeah, um, We're going to take a break, and then I want to get into the optics of both sides of this uh, border argument when we come back. Well, we've got to go. We have to go. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. That's right. Because that is crazy. Before we get back into the border, I want to thank our sponsor, this ha- or this segment, realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn, you founded Real Estate This Agents is something that uh, Tanya and I did. This is a, a passion of mine because we had just such a bad experience. And I've had them over and over and over. I've moved so many times in my life. With real estate agents? Yeah. And, you know, you don't ever know how to find the right real estate agent. And then You I, get the one with the, the picture on the on, bench. On the right, bench. That's right. the best on one. The Actually, you find that the ones who are advertising themselves <laughs> the most are the ones who are not spending the advertising dollars on your house. How many times have you ever sold your house and said, what is your marketing plan? Nobody ever thinks of that. So when I started doing projects with other real estate conglomerates, if you will, around the country, I started meeting all of the best people in real estate. And I started learning what works and what doesn't work. And so we thought, why don't we just come up? We're not a real estate company. We're just a company that takes the best agents around that we know are really good, that are fans of the show, have our same sensibilities, our same kind of you know, loyalty to ethics, and puts you in touch. So we follow you from the moment you come to the site. We give you the real estate agent. We are not involved in the transaction, but we follow you all the way until you got the keys to your new house or you pass the keys to somebody else. 
So we're making sure that everything's on the up and up. And then I heard that Glenn Beck actually personally comes to your house to welcome you. Oh my gosh, I'm there with a welcome mat. The bread and the wine or the olive oil or whatever it was. (laughs) No, but really, if you're uh, looking to buy or sell your home, go to realestateagentsitrust.com. They can help you. Uh, Okay, so I want to get into the optics because I think that both sides think that they are going to be the ones to come out ahead, that the American people are going to back them. You've got Trump who says... You know, I ran on this. I won on this. This is my issue. The American people are going to agree with me. And then you've got Pelosi and Schumer who, you know, Pelosi came out and made the statement that building a wall is immoral. Uh, so we know what their take is going to be. It's, it's if, if Donald Trump, I, I, we have to find out who the speechwriter is tonight. Yeah. And I'd like a copy of the speech as written and compare it. <laughs> Um, because this this is probably one of the most important speeches I've ever seen a president give. And if he's doing it in eight minutes, every word counts. Yes. Uh, and it's immoral to have a humanitarian crisis on our own own border where people have used those people. It's, it's immoral what, what the left is doing to these people. It is absolutely moral to have it here. Let me do it this way. You have kids. Is it immoral to surprise your kids with a new rule that they didn't know? They thought you were going someplace else and say, you broke the rule and you spank them? Absolutely immoral. But if you tell them, these are the rules, don't do that, Johnny. Don't do that. Don't. There's a heavy price to be paid. It's going to be a timeout or it's going to be a spanking. Don't do that. Then the kid does it. It's not immoral to punish them. It's the right thing to do. The clearer we are on our laws, the more moral we are. Yeah. I, I do think it's interesting because, um, you know, they say that they're not advocating for open borders. But then, you know, Pelosi comes out and says that a border, that a wall would be immoral. So it's like, well, what are you advocating for then? Yeah, walls aren't moral or immoral. They're just they're walls. They're, they're walls. Yeah, they're, they're, they're borders. Yeah, they're not, yeah. I mean, you know, some, they can be used for immoral purposes. We saw that certainly happen in Nazi Germany, right? Mm-hmm. Immoral purposes. Well, we keep, uh, you know, terrible people out of schools with walls, too, and fences. Prisons. Right. prisons if walls right, are like immoral, then why do we have them around Nancy our Nancy Pelosi's house, <laughs> right. I, I assume, I also has does. walls. It's just, you know, it's a silly argument that it's immoral. I mean, I mean, I think, you know, it's about it being effective. It's not, a, it's not a moral argument. I mean, the moral argument is whether we have a border or not. If you think it's immoral to have a border, then you can have to argue for open borders. If we're going to have a border, which people have to cross legally, then it's about how to effectively enforce that border. And, you know, I think right now we have a, certainly a large disagreement. Um, I don't think the Democrats want to enforce the border at all. I don't, I don't think either. they care. Um, so I do. I think they do care. They used I th- to. I think. Long ago. No, no, no. I think they care to keep it open. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think they want that open border. And I think and I don't We talked. About Why? From for the chance for more chaos. voters. Just chaos. Chaos. More voters. Um, you know, they see the writing on the wall that the world is changing. Um, they see themselves as an agent of change. I, I do believe that there are those high enough above I mean, if we'd talk sometime about, uh, maybe we could do this in overtime. The things that I learned, I, I never believed that there, was, there were gatekeepers. But there are gatekeepers. And the gatekeepers uh, are not Nancy Pelosi. They're not Chuck Schumer. Um, and you have to pass those gatekeepers to be able to go up. And I think those gatekeepers, they see the changes that are happening. And this old system, and there are some nefarious gatekeepers and some not nefarious gatekeepers. And... Uh, Chaos on the border, new voters in, 
That helps change America Jason, fundamentally. Last word, Jason. If you think about it, the wall gets rid of all the problems that they're screaming about right now. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have tons of kids being separated from their families because they wouldn't get across to begin with. You wouldn't have the Border Patrol snatching them up or firing tear gas at a defenseless border because the wall would be there. You wouldn't have all these issues. Mm-hmm. I, that's, it seems like one of the easier things that they could sell to the, to the, you know, to the to people and to the Democrats. Mm-hmm. No, because so. then Nancy Pelosi couldn't complain anymore. I guess I think you're exactly right. They want it open because of those reasons. All right, back in a minute. We have somebody who moved into our neighborhood who just built this modern house. If you have not yet done so, you've got to go to blazetv.com. We have got a lot of uh, a lot of new seasons airing very soon. Oh, we January. have something too, something big for uh, the State of the Union address. It's all hands on deck. All of the hosts are going to be involved on that night. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Right now, you can save $10 off of your year-long subscription. Just use promo code NEWS. That is blazetv.com. Uh, we've got a lot coming up in overtime. Um, there's one story about a very strange, strange crime, Bizarre. I guess. But you don't want to miss it coming Bizarre. up next. <laughs> Bizarre. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. Glenn, you mentioned uh, gatekeepers. Yeah. Um, in what context were we talking about this? On we were the, talking about the border and oh, Pelosi and Schumer. There are, there are people up above. You know, the people like Soros. Yeah. He's a gatekeeper. Um, uh, Rupert Murdoch, I believe, is a gatekeeper. Um, and I, I learned this um, in, a, in an interesting way. Um, um, it was right after we did 828, and we were out on the mall in Washington, D.C., and we had... 500,000 people there, and it was a big deal. Um, And I've always felt that a man could chart his own course and be anything that he wants, could be president of the United States. My son could be president of the United States. That's what we tell everyone. Yeah, and I think it's true, but you have to go through gatekeepers. And I didn't think that that was entirely... I didn't think that was right. I didn't think that was happening. Only someone like Donald Trump, who is, I think, a gatekeeper himself does not have to do that. Only somebody who is so far out that is just a, a fluke. Here's what I learned. Uh, after 8.28, Roger Ailes called me up to his office and his hands were shaking. He was nervous. He had to actually have his assistant come in and tie his tie and make sure his tie was right because I had been summoned to Rupert Murdoch's <laughs> private suite at the top of the Fox uh, building. And, uh, and we were having lunch with him. And Roger was standing there, and he was tying his tie, and he was giving me advice of what to say, what not to say, how to act, watch him for this and this and this. And uh, he said, you're the only host to ever have been asked to do this. So I go up, and he said to me, uh, what is it, this is Rupert, what, do you, what are you going to do with all this power? Roger and I had a conversation over the weekend, and I've talked to several people. You're the only person to ever, as an individual, be able to call that many people to the, to the mall that we can think of. Everything else had labor unions and everybody else involved. You were a sole individual. What do you do with that power? And I said, 
nothing. I said, uh, and they said, you're not running for president? I said, no, I'm not running for president. And they said, you're going to do nothing with it. And I realized at that time, and I saw this uh, at Fox, and I saw this at CNN, that there are levels of people that you have to please and will open the door to the next group. Okay? And if you don't get, let's say, three of these gatekeepers to open the door to their people, you're, you're not going to make it. If they choose someone else, they're not going to make it. So that's where you get all the special deals and everything else. Then there is one, I think, one level above that, and those are the titans. Those are the Soros. Those are the ones, and in, in some ways Rupert Murdoch, that scare the gatekeepers because they have so such global wealth and global reach. Those are the people that see, you know what, the world is changing. And they don't see the politics because the politics are beneath them. And they see the things and say, look, things are going to change. Look, I talked to George, you know, and we don't agree with each other on anything, but he's moving this direction. That's the way things are going to move. And they do it. When I first moved here, Ross Perot is my neighbor, and uh, he took me on a helicopter ride to see the neighborhood. The neighborhood, if you will, was all owned by him at one point, okay? Miles and miles and miles of ranch land. He built the airport on his ranch, and he built alliance and he told me his plan as we were up in the, his helicopter and he's like look over here they're going to build a highway and you could see that he had stopped building things for this giant green space where the highway was going to go and he had laid the fiber optics i've laid fiber optics here i've done this i've done this now i just need the state to say yeah we're going to build the highway knowing that he had the clout to get the highways built and it's a great thing, but it's also how the rich get richer. But he saw things from a different perspective. He was thinking 50 years ahead, where everybody else is thinking about today, tomorrow, or the next election. These people up here are seeing the next century. So they think differently. Does what that make sense to you? It does. But what do you think, just to make sure I, I want to clarify, what do you think that the titans, like you're talking about, what do you think that they think of someone like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? Because... Tool. Tool. Okay. Tool. I think they see those people... I think she's making a lot of people mad in Right. They see people... They see people... I I think. They see people... This is so unfair to say, because I'm not naming names, and the names I have named, I like Perot, I don't like Soros, so I can't can't say this about any of them, but generally, I think that they see the system underneath as a tool for them and the people in it as players. And, you know, this person will be helpful, this person won't be helpful. Um, they, right now, I think, and this is why we're seeing this on the border, with both the Bushes, remember, it was George Bush that we really had a problem on the border with. We really stood hard against him on the border. And then Obama. It seems like nobody wants to do anything on the border. Why? Because I think people see a borderless world, they think, coming. As I was in Silicon Valley in 2011, 12, when did I go out and meet with 
those guys. Remember? That was about 11, I think. That was a little later than that, but... Okay, around that time. Um, and I had a conversation. I shouldn't say I had a conversation. I listened to a conversation. There were about 12 people in this room. And uh, I sat there and I just listened to them. And their conversation was unlike anything I had ever heard before. It was thrilling for me because they were thinking so differently, so broad, so bold, and so big. But they were talking about things like, you know, the Constitution doesn't really work anymore because the way we see 2025, there's not, and I'm just listening to them, and they're arguing back and forth. And, you know, one saying it doesn't work anymore because there's not going to be money as you know it with the central banks or there won't be borders as you know it because things are just going to be moving so quickly. They think that we are stuck watching a stupid play on television all the time. That is meaningless. It is meaningless. The big vision is up here with a handful of people. And I think those handfuls of people do not see a border wall between Mexico and America. They do not want it. Um, Have you guys heard TSA's latest change? You haven't? Okay, well, TSA, we all know, is very, very functional, very accurate. Always works. Yes, always works. Um, Unfortunately, though, the dogs that they use with the pointy ears are too scary for children. They scare the children, the Dobermans and the Mm -hmm. German Shepherds of the world. They're too scary. So TSA um, is now coming out and saying that they are making a conscious effort to phase out the pointy-eared dogs and use floppy-eared dogs um, because they don't scare children. Thank you, right? Yes. I mean, it's something that we were all waiting for them to do. Can I tell you something? If if they're just as effective, I think that's fine. I don't want kids scared by the TSA. Why, if a kid is scared by a German Shepherd sitting there, though, I mean, what are we setting our kids up for to say, like, they're supposed to be allowed to be scared of a dog that's just sitting there minding its own business? Even my grandchildren were afraid of my Shepherds. Okay, your dogs are scary. They're German Shepherds. (laughs) No, but they're not scary because they're trained canines just like the TSA uses. (laughs) They're frightening looking dogs. Yeah, but yours if you're this very, big very and the dog is this big, that's a scary thing. Imagine looking up to one of those things. I just think it's, I mean, what is it teaching our children that they're only supposed to view cute floppy-eared dogs? You know what I <laughs> what mean? Like the floppy-eared dogs that are going to be pulling the drugs out of your diaper, kid. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, still... Uh, I can't even. I can't even begin to try to explain. Uh, I think I can. Glenn was talking earlier about titans, uh, people who see the world, world in a different way. Uh, <laughs> see, a, see, visionaries. Is yes, I would say that uh, we see things that others don't see. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> right. And I think this guy qualifies here. Mm-hmm. He is a uh, wonderful gentleman that uh, was walking up to a uh, stranger's uh, door in the middle of the night and just started doing oh, this. Now, you might say that's not a strange thing to do. Um, and I, I like the music. I don't think the music was playing for him. Now, you might in his s- head probably. Imagine waking up to your ring doorbell and, and seeing this guy on your intercom pressing this the button. Just going to town. For those to- listening to podcast, he is He's doing into some it. things. He's into with it. His doorbell. Do we with know his mouth. who he is. Yeah. We do know who he is. He's a with known uh, guy who's had known a uh, known criminal and has had done some uh, predator like behaviors in the past, which is not a huge surprise. And you might say, like, okay, well, look, that's a weird thing. I wouldn't necessarily want to go up and uh, and lick a doorknob or doorbell. Um, 
And that is part of the story. However, I think it gets a little more remarkable when you realize how long he did it. Now, we've all licked someone else's doorbell for 45 minutes. It's something <laughs> no. we've all done. Sure. No. Um, no. No. Well, that's not a problem. I mean, sure, 10 minutes. Uh, 45, 45 is beginning is, to look like there's a yeah. problem. <laughs> this video, and I, I kid you not, went on for three hours. That's the man in the middle of the night by himself. First of all, it's an impressive feat of strength. But secondly... <laughs> Three and commitment. Yeah. Now, I gotta say, I think the first lick is the worst lick, right? Like, so, you know, if there's gonna be something gross that's on a doorbell, the first one is gonna be the one that really bothers you. But three hours in, uh, I don't know what you're getting out of that anymore. Uh, taking does, the paint off, I think. How many licks does it take to get to the center of a doorbell? I don't know. <laughs> almost one, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> Hours. Hours. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. And then I read uh, the security cameras also caught him moving an extension cord to the front yard and then relieving himself. Well, you're gonna I don't know why you need to move the extension cord to do that, but that's how it was written. The, this guy might actually. I mean, he was there for a, he was there for a long time. I think there's at least a 25 percent chance that Donald Trump uses him as an example of drug abuse during the speech today. I'd <laughs> uh, be interested to know if he was a legal alien. I think he should just come on and play eight minutes of that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I wonder why this is happening in Houston. Three hours. Here's my emergency. De- Guard your doorbells. Who would deny that? That's an emergency it's right there. Weird. It's really there's weird. a person inside. Any connection? Uh, they don't. I don't think no. so. I think it's just random. Yeah. Yeah. Like a guy who's he's a criminal, and been, they've been looking for him, and he's done other things in the past. So he's a known quantity to have. So is he a known have- um, sexual? They said so. Do you remember? Do you have the thing? Is, I thought it's, it's, it's yeah. a stalking, or it said uh, uh, it had some more that they he was known as a. I want to say stalking or, or or some sort of predatory behavior, okay. but it wasn't. I don't. I don't remember if it specifically well, said sexual. I, what does? Doorbell licking violate. I don't know. He, I you find well him. That's why I was like, I guess it's a crime, maybe. But I think they just want to ask him what, what he was doing. I, they, they didn't say they were going to charge him with a crime. They just, dude, what was that? What, like, like, what was going hey, on? Look, man, we we'll give you the key to the city. We just have to know. Got to know what happened there. Uh, well, it. it says he could face misdemeanor charges of petty theft and prowling. Prowling. That was the word. Yes, prowling. 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 What did he steal? Petty theft. Well, the uh, the the extension the extension cord. Oh, it's pretty petty. Although it's I will say, petty. I think I read that they they have three kids at home now. I would be and they were home really sleeping up, by themselves. Yes, too, really upset. Let me really upset. Sure. Let me ask you this, bigots. <laughs> what if he identifies as a doorbell himself, <laughs> and he was dating that doorbell? <laughs> That's very true. Who are you to say? Yeah, That's a really good point. Yeah, really good point. I don't. I don't have a comeback to that. Doorbellmatch.com. <laughs> There's no comeback to that. Uh, all right, today's poll: Should President Trump utilize national emergency law to build a border? Let us know at the Blaze's Twitter. That is at the Blaze. And then yesterday's uh, poll: What issue most concerns you in 2019? 67 percent of you said border security. Mm. Only 10 percent said cultural issues. Glenn. What else did you have? Uh, I think, uh, I mean... 10% said healthcare and 13% said taxes. <laughs> so Only 10%? That was the... That was the one you... That you was, yeah, that cultural was issue was... last. Mm-hmm. Taxes, taxes was above cultural issues and healthcare. Border security is okay, a big so thing. Okay, so may I say... May I say? I'm saying, I think, I think Pelosi and Schumer lose out on this on all shows. This look at that. Border security and taxes. That shows this affects me in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Guys licking doorbells. And it affects my pocketbook. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, I, mean I always think taxes are the most direct thing the government does to you. And it's always best to get them lower. But I, I don't know if I agree with you on, I, I think, I, I would put the Democrats as the favorites right now. It you depends. If, if Trump can pull this off and he can come up with something that's, that's more impressive than we're talking about, he may have a great argument. He may not do this. Who knows yeah. what it is? We don't know. We're all speculating. But I mean, he, he, they are in a position where they can hold his feet to the fire with the shutdown and that he's already claimed responsibility for. But here's the thing, though. This has to be brilliantly written. Well, me. here's the thing. I feel like if, if the Democrats would come out and say not just walls are immoral, but they would say we agree that there needs to be some sort of a system, mm-hmm. therefore we're proposing that we do X, Y, Z instead of a wall, I feel like it might be more reasonable for the American public to say, okay, that's reasonable. Yeah. But to just come out and say, no, walls are immoral all of a sudden. I didn't think yeah. it in 2010, but I think it now. I feel like the average American is going to see if they that. Go, even if they go to the tactic of, let me tell you about Maria and her eyeless children. Um, I don't think that will play. That will play with some, but it won't play with half of the country. One way or another, half of the country. We have to, we have to have agreement on something this big, uh, more than 50-50. Well, locking up their base means 60 to 37 Democrats on, the, on this wall right now. So, I mean, even if they just play to their base, Democrats have a large advantage. Trump would have to overcome that, and he may. He's overcome things like that many times, but he's going to have to do, he's going to have to mention doorbell licking, I think, to do it. Absolutely. If that's not in his speech, he's done. He's done. Is what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, we will have all the analysis for that speech, whatever it is tomorrow. Trying somebody's doorbell? Maybe uh, there's something <laughs> exciting about it? I don't know. I think it's time to wrap this up. We'll see <laughs> <tomorrow>. <laughs> how, how irresponsible are we showing Doorbell licking. Now kids are going to be all over the country. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.